Hi, everyone. This is Dawn Richard, also known as The Awakening with Dawn, and this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, where we share stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. I am super honored today to have my guest, Kimberly Penharlow. Welcome, Kimberly. Thank you, Dawn. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, I'm so um, excited to meet you. I, my podcast friend, Michael Banks, introduced us. And because you did a, an interview with him and it's a really beautiful, um, it was a beautiful podcast, but in a little bit different direction uh, mm -hmm. because you were talking about leadership uh, because you are a leadership coach. You have expertise in retreat design and facilitation, organizational uh, and leadership expertise. You've been in New York City for 18 years and you're a native Vermonter. Yeah. Lots of, lots of syrup. Yes, lots of syrup. Always have syrup, cheddar cheese, and milk in my fridge, and butter. That's <laughs> Perfect. Day. Always, yes. um, and you're a two-time New York City marathoner, which is what I wanted to ask you about first, because I yeah. saw that, that that was your goal to run a 3.30 marathon, mm -hmm. and you did it in November. Congratulations. Yeah. Tell Thank me about you. it. Yeah. Thank you. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a late bloomer and it's an athlete, um, but I am, I'm an athlete and I think it's kind of part of like my story. It's a, uh, because so you I never ran considered my yourself one. Never. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in, I grew up in Vermont, but I had a, I had juvenile rheumatoid arthritis when I was a kid. So injury prevention and like, like you couldn't do high impact things. So I did uh -huh. cross country skiing. So this whole, um, addition of running into my life, I say that I dated running in my thirties and then I married running when I got divorced. <laughs> and, uh, I ran my second marathon and had this crazy dream of the 3:30, and it was a 24-minute PR. So if you're not a runner, it means that you improved your performance. Uh -huh. PR means personal best, okay. personal record. Um, so I ran 24 minutes faster this year than I did my first marathon, and That's it was incredible. it was amazing. Yeah, That's was incredible. Amazing. How did you, how really did fun. you do that? Um. So I committed to the goal and I told everyone and I was like really vocal about it and courageous uh -huh. about it on everything, social media, everywhere. And then I just trained like a, like a, like a banshee. Part of, like a banshee. And, um, was part of the Nike project moonshot program here in New York city. And uh -huh. that training was absolutely incredible. And I'm part of a Brooklyn track club. And so I put myself in the situation to be around better runners, better coaches, who helped me, um, who pushed you, and, who pushed me. And, you know, marathoning really actually is, you need that support, but it is a hundred percent like what you put into it. So I was, uh -huh. I was holding on to my goal and I just, I loved it. I love the community. I love how I feel when I run and I love crazy dreams and goals. And I was like, I'm just going to shoot for it. Like, why wouldn't I have a crazy dream? If I'm going to do something again, why wouldn't I try to improve it radically? That's my whole thing. That's just uh -huh. my approach, you know? Um, and uh, other people who run a marathon want to run it in a very different way, right? Everybody's marathon run deserves respect and admiration because it's a journey. It's just how you choose to do it. And I chose right. to do it pretty radically. And it was, it was amazing. And I, and I still loved it. Um, it wasn't like... 
it was just, it's a huge block party for yourself with 50, uh, with 40, 50, uh, 50,000 other people that you don't know running by yeah. and you're like, oh, right. so yeah. it was amazing. I felt strong and it was great. Well, so when you, um, you know, when you're training, like, yeah. do you feel like a lot of it is just your mindset? Is it a lot of mental, you know, is it because my yeah. ex, my ex ran marathons and did triathlons and he said that it was 90% mental. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. I think um, the training period, it's a balance between the physical commitment to like just getting your body into physical fitness and uh -huh. your cardiovascular resources, but I, and the mental commitment to do it. But I think on race day, it is a hundred percent for me. It's 80% mental and the belief in the fact that I put the training time into build my body. That's the 20%. Like I just have to trust in what I've built up physically. Uh -huh. The second I get to the start line and realize 80% of it is you can do this. You can do this, right? Like I had on my hand, I wrote my PR time. I wrote little, um, I wrote, sayings on my arm it was like you're strong right. enough yeah oh, I mean go ahead write a, tell, yeah. me, tell me all yeah, the things think, that you wrote I wrote like you're powerful you're strong enough you're um courageous so that in those moments I mean granted they kind of washed off because you're sweating but um I had my mantras right I had the time wow. I wanted I had 3 30 and I had these three things that I just continued to repeat to myself. So if I started to be like, oh, shit, I would just look down, right? Like, or look over. And it's like, okay. Some of, I also wrote breathe because uh, yeah. you can just, I needed to just always remember to slow down and to breathe as I would like change my pace to get faster the closer I got to the end. And so uh -huh. there's, yeah, it is definitely 80% mental that day. Um and the part of that mental part is just complete rat, what I call radical confidence in what you've already, what I've already put into this uh -huh. to get me to the finish line. Uh -huh. um, so yeah, it was, it was pretty spectacular. It was, yeah. I, I was like spectacular. I'm I like, like totally bow down to you because <laughs> I, I'm a dancer and I've tried yeah. running a few times in my life and my knees just didn't like it. Yeah. And, um, and I, so I said, I would never run a marathon. You yeah. know, maybe, maybe I'd walk one because I did yeah. the, the pilgrimage and I walked 175 miles in 2020 or oh, 12 wow. days, in 12 days. Yeah. Um, but running, like I just, you know, I just really honor that oh, experience you. for you. Yeah. yeah. So, so let me ask you because of all of this stuff, like yeah. you, always pushed yourself and have you always believed in yourself um you know I think there are things you don't you're not aware for me there are things I'm not aware of that now because I hold on to moments of conversations with different people in my life who may or may not be here anymore uh I would say yes uh one of the things that I think about is my grandmother my mom's mom <laughs> grandma ruth grandma ruth she always said to me because i did some i did some odd things if i look back at my history of of what i've done so far and the choices i've made definitely made a lot of people scratch their heads and like what are you doing uh -huh. um but my grandmother ruth always said to me she's like you know no matter what kimberly i know you will always land on your feet yeah. so um 
How yeah, old were I, you when she started telling you that? I have no freaking idea. I actually have no idea, but, um, but it's like, it's, implanted but it doesn't, yeah, it's like implanted in my head. And, uh, she, you know, graduated college in 94 and pa- bought a car, packed up everything that I thought was important at that point in my life, put it into this Ford hatchback as the uh, escort. Uh-huh. And, went to Nashville, Tennessee to start a job without, and I didn't know a person. I didn't know anybody I was working with. I didn't know anybody in the South in Nashville Uh and uh, didn't have a place to live. But I was like, I'm just going to do this because I'll figure it out. Right. Um, I quit a job and I worked for the Olympic torch relay in 1996. So quit a full-time job, traveled for six months across the country with the Olympic torch, ran with the torch didn't know what I was going to do at the end, but I was like, it'll work out. It'll, I'll figure it out. So, um, yeah, I guess there's always been a part of me that just has that. Uh, and it just probably shows up in different ways, right? Whether it's like radical changes or just how I use my time or little idiosyncrasies I have, but yeah, absolutely. Do you think that that's, um, that's an inner quality that you have or it's something that you develop I think it's a little bit of both because I feel as I probably get like in different stages of my life I develop it in a different way or it shows up in a different way right Uh um you know would I move somewhere like thousands of miles away from where my mom is right now? No. But would I 10 years ago? Yeah. So I feel like, um, for me, the development part is not forgetting to do that and not forgetting to let that show up because that's such a part of who I am. And, um, that's part of what's always kind of on my mind. Yeah. And is that, do you think that that's what propelled you to become a leadership coach? Uh, like how, so, do, how are those intertwined? Um, I think for me, they're intertwined, you know, leadership coach, that term, that job never existed when I started working, right? Like yeah. the way that careers have evolved, the opportunities for women in the workplace, like how work is being done is so different than my first job, which is like, you went to the office, you worked for eight hours, you left the computer there, you had no cell phone, you Mm -hmm. used a dot matrix printer to, there was no such thing as a leadership coach. It was like, if you were man, if you had leading a team, you just figured it out. Yeah. It was like management or like time. And mostly it was time management. It wasn't like how are you supporting your people? How are you um, developing your people? How are you inspiring yeah. your people and lifting them up to their great potential? Right. Yeah. So I think, um, I think there's moments in my career where I was, you know, in potentially over my head, but I made it work. Right. Um, and the leadership coaching piece was, has been a result of all the different jobs I've had, whether they've been specifically in HR or, you know, I was a, directed the retreat for UNICEF campaign at first six years at UNICEF in New York. Mm. I wasn't in a leadership coaching role, but I was leading a team of 15 at one point. And so Uh all of it really ebbs like flows into why I 
moved into this field, right? And started to do this work full time for myself because uh-huh. I think it's how we're going to change the world, honestly. Like, we need to, behind leadership coaching is like, how do you show up for people? How do you treat people? How do you respect people? How do you support them? Whether they want to be there, whether they're making a hard decision to leave, like, that's all leadership, right? Mm-hmm. And it's getting mm-hmm. shit done, but it's, to me, a lot of my coaching with women and with men who are leading teams, regardless of where they are in their career, on their way out, like, hey, this is my last stop, Kimberly, or I just, and I just got promoted to a VP level, is about how are they being? Because it's not about their technical skill at that point. They, mm-hmm. People know that you can do whatever the technical part of your job is, whether you're in, you know, fashion or nonprofit, but it's how are you being with your staff and with your team and with the whole organization, if you're leading the whole organization, and how are you creating that culture where people want to be there and they feel respected right. and they want to take those, they want to take those risks because they know that they, it's welcome. So, right. um, Yeah. Do you, um, I, I saw that you work with, she says, that's one of the I organizations do. that you work with. Yeah. So and yeah. Tell me about that because that to me, like this, this women's empowerment is so important, you know, because yeah. we have been so behind, behind yeah. the curve. And now, yeah. you know, with, with women like you helping lead the way for other women to say, I can do this too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I, um, so she says is actually, it's a fascinating model. So it's a all volunteer based organization. It's global uh-huh. in its reach. And the two women who started it were in the creative executives, like wildly successful in the creative industry and saw a need to support women throughout their career in creative industry right and they so like fashion so like fashion or dance yeah. or exactly opera singers marketing people bbdo like you name it so creative industry is so broad uh-huh. and liberal in its definition or you know lack of definition yeah and um so I'm on the board for the New York chapter she says and our whole mission is to work it's uh is to work and to provide opportunities for women to gather specifically we plan events experiences usually monthly that align with what we're hearing from women in the industry in the region right so it's like okay so what are on people's minds in new york city who are in the creative industry and um that's one of the avenues in which i'm supporting women here which i love right and i also get to meet other women on the board who are at different points in their career or face leadership challenges or who just give a hoot in a different way. Right. Um, so it's a really exciting organization to be part of, and I'm really proud to be on the board. Um, and you know, it's the, the website. Every time I go to the website, I think, Holy, we're doing like this group of women globally volunteering to organize these experiences to support each other is so rich, everything from, you know, career advice. So members can tap into a protected part of the website and get career advice from individuals like myself, uh-huh. an executive who's been a CMO for 15 years, 20 years, and Ogilvy to 
a new individual who's just started their career. I mean, it's really fascinating, um, the support network and how, how fast it's grown as well. And, uh, and the fact that there's no boundaries to what we can offer. Right. So Mm. because the richness of the women on the board really fuels the discussion and the content based on what the members are saying. So yeah, it's pretty incredible. And somebody in New York could relocate to LA and say, go to a, she says event and have know that there's a support network. Right. Right. And I was just, I was just thinking, you know, this is what women I think in particular are really good at Mm -hmm. is collaborating. Yeah. And supporting each other. You know, I I think for, I think this has been the issue with, you know, the more masculine energy is, Uh is more like power over authority over, you know, and women want in general, uh, or I don't women, the, the feminine energy is more about collaborating and community and support and helping each other. And um, I think it's a really beautiful thing that you, that you create this powerful experience through these, uh, through supporting each other. Yeah. And I think we also, yes, I love, I completely agree with you. And the other side of that, that I, that I spent a lot of time coaching um, women, she, her on is, where do you stop collaborating? Where do you stop um, that? Because it's actually prohibitive from you advancing, from you being heard, from you having the executive presence that you want, from having leadership legacy that you want. Uh So as much as it's like an absolute value and should be cherished and nourished and created and supported. There is sometimes moments in anybody's career, especially um, people with feminine energy that there, it doesn't work. Right. And you do get looked over or you do get passed by, or you do get ignored or your idea does get picked up by somebody sitting next to you. And your intuition around collaboration and maybe conflict avoidance doesn't allow you to be the one who's leading that um, idea because somebody else captured it. So there are those conversations in which there are moments when it's not the right thing. It's not the right tactic, right? Yeah, Um, no. So how do you, so how do you teach people because this is both men and women to fully, to fully step into their own power? Totally. Totally. And for everybody, it's like, what is, what is your power? Like, what do you want it to? Because it might be something for this year, this moment in your career. And then in a year from now, you have a different task. You have different priorities. When you look at your life as a whole work might be 80% right now, but next year it could be 20% for who knows what reason. So Mm. it's going to evolve and change based on if you look at your whole circle of all the elements that are important to you and where you spend your time, sometimes work isn't where you want to be doing all the major changes, right? Cause maybe right. other things are going on. So it's like, right. that's okay. But we need to, I want to create a space where people can like identify that. Like uh-huh. right, right now. Yeah. My career is number one, Kimberly. Here's three reasons why. My career is not. I just want to sustain this team and reach this goal. And here's the other stuff that's going on. Right. Uh Um, Or here's the one skill I really want to develop this year. And I know that I can do it because my team's really running well. 
and everyone's interacting and we have a great flow and we have a great culture. But um, so yeah, there's the, the flip side of that, right? For everybody who's leading or for everybody who shows up, it's like, at what point do the things that you naturally do actually need to be counteracted because maybe it's not always the most effective or giving you the results or fueling you or providing you the energy that you want or the satisfaction that you want in the big Mm -hmm. picture. Um, And do you, do you feel like people only fully step into their power when they fully believe in themselves or is it an act as if? Yeah, you know, there's all this research on the imposter syndrome. I was just talking to the woman this morning about it, and it's true. It happens, but I think it happens across the board where, you know, you might, you never really fully believe, like, should I really be in this meeting? Like, do I really have the confidence? Like, how come I, I, am I really supposed to be leading all these people? Like, holy moly. Boy, boy I'm really fooling everybody. Yeah, totally. Like, okay, uh, smoke and mirrors here, right? So um, I don't know if there are times, I mean, you know, I'm running my own business now. Do I have moments where imposter syndrome creeps up? And I'm like, what the heck am I doing? Because uh-huh. I'm doing all of this and what? But uh, it's, for me, it's what, how much time do I let that take up in me? And in my life and in my space of like, as opposed to, yeah, I'm running my own business and yeah, I'm making some serious stuff up because there is no roadmap. And (laughs) this year I'm going to just start with two big goals for Q1 and Q2. And that's how I'm going to like reframe. Like, you know, so maybe that'll help me step fully into my power, but uh, you know, maybe in a week I'll be like, that strategy is not working because I've got this on, I can show you. I have this big long list of things. Like, what am I doing here? This is partially imposter syndrome. Writing down all this stuff, right? So, um, I think we step into our power at different times for, for different reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's I have been working on this project for a whole year and I know I'm the expert on it and I am ready to go. Probably the imposter syndrome and the saboteur is less likely to appear because of your of an individual's confidence and confidence at that moment. And then they might walk into another room where a huge global project or, I don't know, somebody's deciding to leave on their team that they never expected would ever leave. And they're like, oh my gosh, how do I deal with that, right? Yeah. Or something in our personal life takes us by surprise and we're like... I am. I need time to regroup, right? So, um, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. a very long-winded question. No, no. A long-winded answer to a question. No, no. And, and I think, I mean, what you just said, things happen in your life that throw you curveballs. And yeah. you're like, now where in the world am I? What in the world am I going to do? Right, right. Like, so yeah. would you like to talk about your curveball? Or curveballs. Yeah, I think Um, we all have lots of them. Yeah, we do. Um, Yeah, I think uh, curveballs. So 
there are probably, two, I mean, there are two fairly significant curveballs yeah. that I would describe as baseball. It's not the dodgeball that's throwing yeah. you like, oh, ow, how yeah. fun, toss it back. No. Um, uh, yeah, so the, I, I lost my dad, um, but I, uh, so when I was 39, um, I, my father on my birthday and my father actually committed suicide and I can't imagine how painful that um, must have been. Yeah, it's been, I'll be 48 this year and that is a, uh, it was no one ever expect. I never ever would have expected it. And, mm-hmm. um, had no idea how to cope with it, mm-hmm. but thought I did, I think. And I don't think I realized how much I didn't know <laughs> what was going on. I mean, if anybody's gone through anything that's like super traumatic and unexpected, there is there is that shock phase where yeah. I think my shock phase went on for a long time. I mean, I don't yeah. remember parts of like couple weeks I mean they're just like you just black out like because you cannot I could not the human brain can't process it so the medical the research behind it it's true when you're in shock you just freaking shut down and not like uh, yeah I mean so yeah I mean I don't try to recreate that timeline right like mm-hmm. uh what what could have happened you know i spend hours i know probably everyone and i'm just going to speak about my experience because everybody in our family experienced it very differently and i'm never going to speak to theirs but i think uh you know so much came up for me not only like why Mm-hmm. But why that day? Uh-huh. And and you and see when eight years later, I um, I have I think what I where I have come to is you know the five stages of grief. Um, I experience them all, and I still feel like I experience them. <clears throat> And um, the thing that I don't want to hold on to is anger for my dad. Like, I yeah. don't. Um, and the thing that I want to and that I focus on, because I think about it every every day, um, mm-hmm. is just the, the, the things that he taught me, but also, like, accepting the fact that I have really have no idea, like, what must have happened. Um, yeah and like where like where his mindset was and why he made that choice no clue um and i just hope that he is happier (laughs) like wherever he is um Mm -hmm. because i can't i can't carry around that feeling of anger 
although I do have it sometimes, I'm a human and I'm like, why the fuck are you here now? Cause I really want to talk to you. Yeah. Um, or <laughs> I just really like miss you. Um, and well, and I'm, and imagining how much, <clears throat> excuse me, imagining how much pain he must've been in. Yeah. Or chaos or like, I have yeah. no, I have, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. Like, and I, you know, I've spent hours and I'm sure I will continue to spend hours just trying yeah. to try to figure it out. Right. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and there were no, like, and if anybody, there are no answers, there are no, no answers, answers to these questions. There are no answers. And you know, we, <laughs> in some situations with other people who have been on, who've served a survivors losing somebody to suicide, there are indicators or there are messages left or there are, things that were done without other people in the family or in the other, that person's community knowing none of that uh-huh. Uh-huh. was, none of that was discovered. Right. So, um, it's just a long list of unanswered questions that, uh, I have had to, and I continue to realize I'm never going to have answers to. Right. Yeah. Um, it's so, like how do how do you how do you accept the unknowing? Yeah. Um, and I think I just try to do that on a day to day basis. I don't have a hey, I'm gonna here's a book I wrote on it. Yeah, or I yeah. just think I think for me right now it's just sometimes it's easier than other times and um when I haven't talked about it for a while and then I talk about it like right now it's like it's just as if I just got the call right yeah. like yeah and that's that's how grief works Kimberly yeah God. Ooh. yeah it's it's it never goes away no, no because doesn't. because that because that love doesn't go away that connection right. doesn't right. go away no. And so you just have to figure out how to redefine your life given the situation. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, I'm standing at my desk, I have a stand up desk and I have two pictures of my dad on either side. And then my picture of my mom and my sister and myself. And it's like, you know, they, my parents were also kind of like, they made shit happen. They like made radical mm-hmm. decisions in their lives and they, mm-hmm. uh, raised us and, they loved us and as I go through my life and like struggle with whatever like relationships running this business like living in New York City and trying to make the making a go of all this mm-hmm. I know he's like in tow with me like he's he's there right yeah. like yeah. so is my mom and so is my sister and like all, all in different ways and sometimes you know everyone doesn't get along but like um I you know, he taught us a lot of lessons and, um, he taught me a lot of lessons, Mm -hmm. uh, perseverance and, um, how to treat people. Uh, and so does my mom still, I mean, Mm -hmm. how they, how my mom shows up for me and the community she lives in. I think that's probably in some dotted line why Mm -hmm. I love the work that I do around leadership. It's like, it's about, people right and how mm-hmm. you treat people and I my mom and my dad uh, taught me a lot in that area so are, are you able to process have you been able to process these questions and you know and and support your mom and your sister through this whole experience 
Um, I think we do the best. Yeah, we do the best we can, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody experiences grief and this kind of loss in very different ways. And we do the absolute best that we can to show up for each other. And we are Mm -hmm. there for each other. It's just, it's different for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, yeah, we get together. We're there for each other as most in whatever way we can, regardless of like grief, we're all pretty radically different. Right. Uh So then you add the complication and like the, the emotional aspect of that. So I know we are all, we all do the best that we absolutely can to be there for each other. Uh Um, And, you know, doesn't mean we don't, you know, we're human. We're all human. Yeah, exactly. uh, So exactly. We're all carrying around our stuff and how do we, and and how do we love and accept each other through our stuff and through their stuff exactly yeah yeah that that was one um i i had an interview um that i released a couple weeks ago and and she defined love as being there for being there for the other person yeah yeah and sometimes being there for the other person is not saying anything and that's giving them space Yes, that is something that I have learned because I'm a talker. I'm an emotive talker. I communicate, 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 communicate. Um, I'm highly intuitive and also like highly intuitive about emotions. So like, Uh um, and I have learned to let the silence ride and know that that's okay. Right. As opposed to fill the silence or push for an answer or push for this. And that's part of my work in progress for my own learning and my own relationships with my family, but like with my friends, like just cause I want to talk about it or I have the, this question and I want an answer. It doesn't mean that it's the right thing time or space or you know uh-huh. shut up Kimberly be quiet <laughs> yes I, I think you quiet sometimes it's showing up yeah I think sometimes you just have to learn to be yeah 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 so yeah. so how did how did you learn to be <laughs> yeah how did you learn to be because I know that I know that your next um big hardball yeah <laughs> happened pretty close in yeah. relative close proximity. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I, uh, I, let's see, how do I learn to be? I feel like I'm still learning to be. Um, yeah, that's an ongoing journey. It's ongoing. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, so I was married <laughs> and uh, we had a real, we, we knew each other for a really long time Mm -hmm. Um, then had a separation and then got back together after my dad passed away and were married for five years. And um, what I learned is that I wasn't, it just, you know, you wake up one morning and you're like, there's, we went to three couples counselors, like we were doing the work and there's, It just, I wasn't going to be happy and neither was he. And no matter how hard, and this is like, no matter how hard we tried or how little we tried, it just, I wasn't going to be happy. And I didn't want to live a life in which I wasn't happy or didn't, 
make someone happy or we weren't appreciating each other in the way that like I think real true love has the ability to not saying that we didn't have that moments because we had those moments but it just mm-hmm. wasn't right it just wasn't right and I just I was not it was not who I wanted to be and I wasn't able to we couldn't support each other, right? We couldn't just, it just was, I was not happy. He was not happy. It was not going anywhere. And um, so if, but you felt like you couldn't, you couldn't be the best version of yourself with him and you couldn't help support him be the best version of himself. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think in, throughout that whole process, it, it was about just me trying to be me and I think in the last really three and a half four years I'm really truly being me like mm-hmm. after we got divorced my whole like hashtag when hashtags weren't that big a deal but now I feel like they're a really big deal and I'm always like half-assing the hashtags but whatever <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm like why am I supposed to hashtag this like what um my hashtag was phoenix rising because it was yeah I was all of I was focused on what truly at that point in my life was going to bring me joy would allow me to feel joyful and um uh, what was what was turning me on like work-wise life-wise love-wise sex-wise like health-wise like was going on and yeah and that was was me being sometimes it was like okay well I thought I like that that's I don't like that right um so and honestly running is part of how I slow down and a lot of people are like oh my god that's a paradox I know (laughs) it's a paradox I'm running to slow down Exactly, because I am a fast runner. Just why I, yeah, I'm running to slow down. That is a paradox. <laughs> That's kind of fascinating. Um, so this is the I, paradox like, of life. It is a paradox of life. I'm running to slow down. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, yeah, because I find it meditative. A lot of my and I and I'm meditative. and I'm doing so many things to learn how to just be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, Yeah, and I think. Well, did that answer the question? <laughs> I don't know what, we're I can't what were we talking about? I I I I struggled with this as well in my marriage, and this was one yeah. of the reasons why I got divorced too, because mm-hmm. I felt like I was definitely not being the best version of myself yeah. in relationship with him. I was not bringing out the best in him or helping yeah. him bring out the best in himself. And, and I felt like I, I couldn't fully express my truth. I couldn't yeah. be who I wanted to be. I, you know, like all of the things that made me, me, yeah. like my connections, my dance, my work, all of those things, I felt like he was resenting me mm-hmm. for and you know, like not supporting me and the things that brought me joy and the Mm -hmm. things that made me feel alive and the things that brought me peace. Um, Because I, when you were saying feeling alive, I also thought the paradox of peace, fully at peace. Yeah. I'm fully alive, 
and I'm fully at peace because I'm being my authentic self. Mm-hmm. And it's this sense of freedom, full freedom of expression yeah. Yeah. And, and full connection with myself. Yeah. I think before that we do, before that we have uh, and create these good relationships with another, we have to create that relationship with ourself. Yeah. I hear that. Yeah. And I think also, uh, I mean, we ch- like, I, if you had interviewed me at 42, 40, 35, mm-hmm. I never would, like, I never also would have said I would be a marathoner. I never would have said, I'm going to run a business. I would never have said a whole bunch of things. I never would have Uh, said I was going to be a podcaster. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So it's like, it's that evolution, whether or not like a relationship has the flexibility for both to evolve. And, and, and also sometimes like maybe the greatest gift Andrew and I gave to each other was like, we really gave it our all. And then we just this, we gave each other a different moment and a different path for life. Like, um, but yeah, there's a lot of things 10 years ago, I would say never would be on my, this is what's going to happen. Right. Like, yeah. I actually don't think I have anything that I know. No, pretty much. No, no. No, I mean, I, I feel which is like, kind of cool too. It's like, but also like for many people, it might be unsettling, but for me, I think, wow, in 10 years, what the hell is going to be? What am I going to be doing? What, where am I going to be living? Huh? It, could, like, it could be really exciting. I, I feel it's like so, so many, I feel like so many people say, oh, I don't like change, but yeah. you're constantly evolving. Like that is the word that I use all the time. Every yeah. day you're a new evolution of yourself. And yeah, so yeah. how do you learn to be yeah. with whatever evolution you are in that particular day, in that particular moment, in that particular time in your life? Right, 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 right. Yeah, I so agree. So it's that, it's that loving and accepting yourself wherever you are. Mm-hmm. You know, where, 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 where even, even if you're in the ashes falling to right. the ground. Right. Right. How do yeah. you love and support yourself through your grief, through your pain, Absolutely. through your heartache, through your um, ambiguity of, I don't know what in the hell is next for me. Right. Exactly. And I can't see through this experience to know what it's going to be like to get to the other side. Yeah. And sometimes you don't even see that you're in all of that. Right. And so yeah, me, because you're in a fog. Yeah. I was like, what? Like, uh-huh. I mean, I'm just, I, you know, I have an amazing support network of girlfriends, primarily girlfriends, some guys, some guys, um, but I have an amazing network of support here and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that they keep me honest. They also like love me. They think, you know, challenge me and, I go into hibernation mode. It's like, okay, what's going on? Right. You're like, I mean, it's winter in New York. So either you're like running on cement or you're hibernating or you're binge watching like old shows, which I do. frequently, And I'm okay with that. That's being. Yeah, exactly. Come back out of my shell. Um, but yeah, it's, um, 
you know, I, through all of it, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm happy. I'm a happy person. I'm like truly happy with my friends, my work, my running. I, so, you know, despite all, and all of that is probably influenced by this whole journey. Right. And maybe, maybe I'll fall in love again. I don't know. Is I'm open to is it. That, is that something you want? Oh, I'm totally open to it. Yeah. I, I like being in a relationship. I, I like, um, I, I like it. And, and now a relationship is like, I have different terms, right? Like yeah. different things I really want. And, uh, and that I, that, and that I can also give, I think in a much better way, just different. I'm different. Um, yeah. but yeah, I'm totally open to it. Four years ago, I was like, no. I was like protecting me. Yeah. Only the only. I mean, I'm not on any dating apps now, but the only one I was on when I first like after a year and a half and my girlfriend, I was like, you got to just like at least put a freaking picture up on a profile. I was like, <laughs> oh, but it was Bumble. I don't want to swipe anyway. Yeah, I don't want to swipe. She's like, well then, and so I found Bumble, which was like I was in control, right? So like in all those phases, and now I've uh-huh. now, yeah, I mean. I like being in relationships. I think they're, I think they can be really fun. I, and it, until then I'm just happy and I'm loving my friends, my family and just doing my thing. Uh-huh. Um, so what, what qualities do you think uh, are important to you if, you know, for, for the next one, what qualities um, of the person and what qualities in the relationship do you want to have that are different than what you had before? If it's different, I would just say, I don't want to really compare. Um, what I want is I want a radically honest converse, like honesty is like number mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Um, communication is critical for me. I want somebody who likes to have fun and be adventuresome. Um, and loves your glitter and, eyeshadow. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, it'd be great to have somebody who likes to be outdoorsy. I'm definitely happiest when I'm outdoors. Uh, and I don't know, honesty, uh, funny, yeah, and smart, um, and and honest, and has their own their own life. I yeah, want somebody with like a full intact life, goals, things that really charge them up. Um, that maybe I can be part of, but I can support them in and mm-hmm. we co-create some little cool space in the middle where we meet. Yeah. Um, and I want somebody who doesn't say running. Ugh. I want them to be like running. That's amazing. And I'll never join you, but I'll be there at the finish line. Like yeah, that's, exactly. you know, or like if the next thing I want to do is like, I kill Manjaro. Wow. That's Whoa. I'll see you. I don't know when you get home, right? Like, yeah, uh, that, I'll be waiting that, at the bottom, that, honey. Yeah, that general like, I—that's so out of my desire zone. But I'm gonna love you uh-huh. for doing it and uh-huh. go for it, right? Uh-huh. And I want to be able to do that for that person. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's so important. <clears throat> you know, I I've said before, like people, <clears throat> you know, that whole that whole adage. Oh, yeah. you, oh, you complete me. Like, yeah. no, no, I complete myself. I am a whole person. Yeah. On my own. I, I create my own happiness. Yeah. I choose the things that bring me joy. I choose the yeah. things that, 
that make me feel alive and at peace. And when you do those things too, and we yeah. come together, it's not one plus one equals two. It's like one plus one equals infinity. It's like yeah. infinite possibilities of expansion and co-creation when yeah. two holes are coming in. Yeah, yeah, totally. And let's uh, let's also be honest. I want them to be like hot and sexy. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, let's like, like, you know, I'm not dead. I'm like a real live woman in her forties. Because uh, I, it is an important piece, right? Yeah. For me, it's important. Um, yeah, well, then that's the thing that you know. I I belong to this Esther Perel uh, face. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. and she talks about love and desire. Desire. They yeah. have to. They have to. You know, be part of the relationship because Absolutely. because this is what happens. You feel love, <laughs> and you yeah. go look for desire externally, yeah, or you feel desire and you don't feel any sense of safety and trust yeah. and security. It's like yeah. you know you want the both. Yeah, totally. So, I, uh... Yeah, I want somebody hot too. Yeah, and I want somebody who's like, you are sexy as hell. You're a goddess. I'm so lucky to be with you. Yes. I, uh, during this, probably in the last, oh, was it 2014, 15, uh, there's a, an incredible woman in the city. Her name is Mama Gina, and I did her, um, Mastery of Womanly Arts. Ooh. And she talks, we talk about desire, we talk about, rags but yeah I want to be desired and I want to be desirous but like that also means I have to take care of this temple right like I have to feel amazing whatever shape like shape this takes as life changes yeah I have to be like this is like woo, right but I want somebody yeah I want desire and sex and fun and love and yeah everything it's like the it's like you want it all you know I want to experience it all and if I can have that with someone who wants the same you know they want to desire me they want to love me and make me feel safe they want to um, have these amazing fun exciting adventures with me you know it's like I want a partner that completely supports who I am being yeah. And whatever moment I show up. Yeah. 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 So it, it all starts by totally. working on yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I have my, what do I have? like, and I also think it's getting clear on what I want. Right. right? Like now I'm actually thinking about it. Two years ago, I wasn't thinking about it. I was like, uh-huh. nah, it's fine. It's actually fine. Yeah. I wasn't missing it. I wasn't. Right. You know, but now I'm like, okay, I'm warming up to like, yeah, that'd be kind of cool. We'll see. Right. Well, too, uh, you've done, you've been going through this huge transformation. You yeah. Know? And so while you're doing that, it's like, just yeah, there's only so too. much capacity. Yeah. I don't yeah. have that much capacity. Yeah. I only yeah. have the energy right now to be focusing on myself. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which that is not selfish, by the way. It's yeah, exactly. selfish. I mean, it's so funny because I think people say, oh, you're being selfish. Say the people who want you to do what they want you to do. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is, so this is part of, you know, my message <clears throat> is self-care is not selfish. Yes. Self-care is finding the, 
finding the fullest expression of myself, what makes me happy, what brings me joy, what makes me feel alive, what I'm passionate about, how am I using my gifts and talents to show mm-hmm. up in the world and share yeah. and, um, you know, be the fullest expression of myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it seems like you have had an amazing journey. Yeah, it is pretty amazing. And I am still on it. And uh, it's only going to get bigger and different and more unexpected. <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> I think that makes it exciting. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It's yeah. like, you know, okay, so when did you buy your NASA vest? Well, this was actually, this is a, uh, a holiday Christmas present. We celebrate Christmas in our family. And um, I saw it this summer. I think it was a summer with my mom and when I, we were in Vermont at Jacques Penney. That's JC Penny. Oh, it's very old school people. <laughs> I know. This did not, this is like one of the only items that was not bought online that needed to be returned. Uh-huh. And, uh, my family bought it for me because they knew that I like shiny things. And they also know that I always run with glitter. So I'm, uh-huh. I always run like if I'm just a practice run or, but marathons, I always run with glitter. So I, and my eldest niece said, I was like, oh, it's gold. She's like, no, Aunt Kim. My family calls me Kim. It's rose gold. I was like, oh, just like my earring. <laughs> just like my glitter. <laughs> yeah, glitter. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I love it. Like anything glittery or hot pink. Uh, I, when I run, I also buy the, um, the fake tattoos that are gold and silver so i had like for the marathon i'm always plastered with them everywhere it's my little superpower i was just gonna say how does that make you feel it feels awesome yeah and it uh i've always loved fake tattoos and actually one of mama gina reminded us during one of our sessions she had like jewels those jewels that you can like adhere to your body and she's Uh like decorate your body with these jewels, you know? So I am all about just embellishment. Embellishment. Yeah. And just, you know, so when I'm running a marathon, yeah, I'm going to be sweaty and look weird. And my face is going to be like, we're contorted in 99% of the pictures, but I'm going to have really amazing bold fake tattoos on my <laughs> and my glitter. So kind of outweighs it all, but I'll feel like a superwoman. So whatever. I think no. you are. I think you are a superwoman, Kimberly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, this is my little. This is my. You like it? <laughs> no, I love. Uh, I love your sense of joy and your. It's like, I. I always say, you know, I think as we grow older, yeah, we need to keep this childlike you know, sparkly nature, like everything is magic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if we can keep that sense of magic in our own lives, Mm -hmm. then we can fully step into our power. Yeah. Yeah. It's this, you know, it's not either or. No, it's not. not. I, I don't have to choose. I choose it all. Yeah. I choose, I choose what makes me feel the most me. And it's a beautiful gift you give yourself mm-hmm. and that when you show up as that example, you also give other people permission to do that for themselves. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah. So 
So I think the people that you work with are incredibly lucky <laughs> Thank and you. blessed and inspired to be more of who they already are by watching you as the example. Thank you, Don. That's really, really nice. That's really thoughtful. And uh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is the first, this is the first time we're talking, but I totally, I, know. I totally see it. Thank you. Thank you. And you create, you have the ability to create a really meaningful um, and celebratory conversation, which is a, it's a really beautiful balance in how you approach this conversation with me. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. 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 So, so the question that I like to, um, yes. the question that I ask, yes. is how do you define real love? Oh, woo. Yeah. Um, that was not on the Google sheet. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Surprise. <laughs> I'm getting a bit of my own like medicine here. Oh shit! True. Uh, what's the question again? I'm stopping. Uh, because the podcast is called "Wake Up to Real Love." So my yeah. question is, how do you define real love? I've got my rose quartz. Um, how do I define true love? Real love. Real love. How do I? Because true. Because true love, I think, is for fairy tales. Uh, Real love, yeah. Real love. Um, I would describe it as the what I'm thinking is how I feel, right? Like mm -hmm. there is a when I I'm in true love, true love, right? Real love. Real love. Oh my God. Sorry. Real love. That's okay. See. Real love. Uh, when I'm in real love, there is an absolute like heart engage. Like something is physically happening with me. I am like jazzed up. I'm physically charged. Mm -hmm. Um, and alive and I in who in real love to me is the space of honest fun creation yeah like it's honest fun loving creation mm -hmm. um yeah and appreciation mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I want that co-creation. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. So how do people get in touch with you, Kimberly? I know you do a lot oh. of work and um, you want to explain a little bit about how people could work with you. Yeah, sure. Uh, this real love question just spun me out. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> you can journal about that later. I'm like, Oh, I get it back. What? I gotta get into my intellectual brain. Whoa, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, 
So people can get in touch with me. My name is Kimberly Penharlow. I'm on LinkedIn. I also have my website. I will be launching my business Instagram as well, which will be Kimberly Penharlow Consulting. Um, my emails krpenharlow at gmail. Some of the really fun things I love to do is I, uh, I love the coaching piece, right? So working with women across your career, if you're facing any sort of leadership challenge or if you're leaving a team for the first time, um, love to talk to you. I also love, it's usually, a, what I found is it's usually a compliment once I start working with someone, whether it's a female or a male leader, the natural progression is, hey, maybe I should get my team together. Maybe I should get the department together. Maybe I should get mm -hmm. the organization together. So if you are planning any of those larger retreats and you want some help with that, I would love mm -hmm. to bring my genius and my kind of magic dust to that. Like, um, like team building. Yeah, or you're doing an all-staff retreat for three days. You haven't mm -hmm. done one in a year. Mm -hmm. You have no idea what the content should be. Let me talk to your staff. Let me present you what the findings are. Let me help you co-create the agenda. Let me coach you through how you want to show up as a leader. How, what are the things you want to say? How do you want to say them? Um, and let me be there to support you through that. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, then I do trainings on different content area, whether it's emotional intelligence, how do you talk about your brand, how do you handle change? Um, mm -hmm. So. Yeah, those are the things. Good. So, yeah. Good. Um, so. Oh, and if you want to talk running, you can also call me. Or, <laughs> or follow me on, I am on Instagram at KRP Brooklyn. It's more, more or less my running one, but yeah. That's yeah. It. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I really just wanted to say that I honor you for being so vulnerable with me today. Yeah. Um, I know that I took you to a hard place um, and I just wanted to say thank you for sharing because, you know, this was, this was the thing that, you know, when you were talking to Michael, I thought you have such a powerful story. I, I know my, my son, um, one of my sons, he had a friend commit suicide two years ago and it was really an awful experience. Yeah. And and I know a lot of people, you know, experience these kinds of tragedies in their life. And so how do you know, so I appreciate you showing up and sharing honestly and vulnerably um, to help other people know that they can get through it and know that, you know, it's an ongoing process. It never really goes away mm -hmm. and that it's okay to sit in your not knowing, right. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> but that you can, despite dealing with your grief, that you can figure out how to live this amazing, incredible, joyful, yeah. risk-taking, adventurous, powerful life yeah. that you have created for yourself. So thank you for being such an amazing example. Thank you, Don. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so for all of you listeners, um, I'm sure you will get so much wisdom and insights from our conversation. And so please subscribe to the wake up to real love podcast and share with your friends. And, uh, for the, for the work that I do, if anybody wants to get in touch with me, I help people overcome heart, heartache, heartbreak, and betrayal. 
um, and create more real love in their lives. So if people want to contact me, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at The Awakening with Dawn. And my website is coming soon. That's one of the ways that I'm learning how to step into my power. <laughs> I've been scared to death for the last year, but it's slowly coming together. So you've got it done. Yeah. Got- yeah. So, and, and the thing, you know, that, that every single person that I interview, even if they don't say it directly, they reflect it, that the, this is what I say at the end of every podcast, the most important relationship you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself. So start with you, <laughs> create your own sense of happiness and joy and peace and aliveness and safety and security, you know, so that you show up in your fullest expression and that you can create, you know, more open and honest and vulnerable relationships with those around you. So thank you everyone for listening. And thank you so much, Kimberly, for being with me. It was really an honor and a privilege and so much fun talking to you. It's really fun to be here. Thank you, Dawn. Yeah. All right. So listeners every day, wake up to more real love. Take care and we'll see you next time. Bye.